0: i recording this before I hear any other contributions because I think that most contributions to this podcast will shine a good light on Ronnie Dyla and whilst I'm not here to demonise the man I think there's two sides to every story Ronnie Dyla is the Celtic manager I've met the most I've known the most about And we'll try to provide some context with every deliverance I make. So if you're of sensitive nature, I would suggest you wake the fuck up, look around the world, and strap yourself in. Okay, I'll send that one. Uh
1: Well, Rob, you heard Andy there um, talking about the challenges that face Ronnie Daly. He will certainly have to answer those questions. It will be a 12.30 news conference here at Celtic Park. Uh, Celtic have confirmed in a statement he has signed a one-year ruling contract with them.
2: Celtic, how does it feel to be the new Celtic manager? But we have done well in the uh, instructions, I have uh, had a fantastic time there, and um, when this chance came, I just I just felt it. I'm going to give you uh, one or two marks, going to be... Don't let them be
3: i going to understand you! know, <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you. I felt this was a right move for me now, after being in uh, nine fantastic uh, years in Scremshutsu.
2: I felt that was the, the time, and when this opportunity came, uh, I'm,
3: uh, I'm very excited. Easy decision? Very easy decision. you. Just a... one, two, one. One,
4: two, one.
5: Hello, everybody. I hope you're all well. Uh, Fáilim ar here again from from Dublin um, on the Ronnie Dyla era stroke experiments. Um, yeah, it still seems bizarre um, that Ronnie got the, the job in the first place um, at a time when the, as we all know, the Huns had had gone under and the the new tribute actor still floundering. Trying to get back up to the, trying to get, and like get back, trying to make their way as a new club to the Premier League. But uh, so Ronnie didn't have the hunts to deal with other than in, in, in cup matches. Um, the first season, yeah, he won the title, the League Cup, and knocked out Sefco, as we know, 2 0 in one of the most one sided uh, clashes against the other lot you'll ever see. It was a 2-0 win But it was 2-0 In reverse really And they were shit And we weren't much better um, But yeah as I say We should have been given Ronnie should have been given The chance to win the treble In that season um, Having you know, won the League Cup The title Put that Cup semi-final Against uh, Inverness And the the honest mistake The making's handball That was missed by the referee and the fucking useless bastard behind the beside the goal. How he missed it he, well, we all know why he missed it. He, honest mistake, as I say. Um we were one up one nil up at that stage. If you know, that's a penalty and probably two nil, it's it's game over and winning the final. Um, but again, if sports and maybe it was uh, it was a disgraceful disgraceful um, Decision and we went on to lose the game As we know with Craig Gordon getting sent off um, And Zelushka not exactly Stepping up to the mark To replace Gordon For the remainder of that match But um, Yeah so 2014-15 Two trophies out of three Um, Performances in Europe were Terrible For the most part Dreadful Um, There didn't seem to be much Identity About The team, I felt it was it was a bit of a mishmash in playing styles. Um, At times exciting, far too many times downright uh, boring. Um, And as we shuffled into 2015, 16, I remember I I travelled over one game that season in November 2015. We were playing the Barlands myself and Kieran. Warfield, we could tell, but we were playing the Barlands in November twenty fifteen. Was actually my first time to play at the amazing Barlands ballroom. Um, been lucky enough to play there so many times since. But yeah, we took in the match. The the, the day of the the gig, they we were playing Kilmarnock, and it was a nil nil draw at Celtic Park. And it was honest to God, it was so bad. And um, I was just looking back at the team selection there, and most of them. Featured under Rogers, a few months later, and as we all know, what happened with Rogers, the Invincible season, the first season after uh, Ronnie Ronnie left, um, but men, m- most of those players who played that absolutely god awful nil nil draw against Kilmarnock were, were playing that day, um, but it was as, as bad as I've ever seen at Celtic Park that that day, and um, it didn't get much better other than winning the winning the title. Um, you know, knocked out of the the league cup by um, was it Ross County? I think it was. Yeah, Ross County when Effie got sent off in the first half, um, and then the the ultimate what sealed Ronnie's fate really was the the extra time, the penalties defeat to Savko in the cup semi final. Um, yeah, that was that sealed his his fate eventually, and it was it didn't didn't get much fucking lower than that that season. To lose that one on penalties um, So yeah As I say I think overall And Ronnie was a Clearly a, a nice enough fella um, Came across well In interviews I thought um, Seemed to get on well With the fans In his interactions with them um, But the football By and large Was was You know It was Mediocre For the most part I think At times Appalling and occasionally decent enough. Um but look at he, he carried the he, he won the two titles that was expected of him. Um and I'd wish him well. And he's clearly a, he clearly loves Celtic since he left. Um so overall, um yeah, not a not a era I look back on with a whole amount of uh, fondness, to be honest, Paul. And um Thankfully Celtic um, did the right thing after telling Ronnie he'd be he'd be leaving at the end of the season, um, they appointed Rogers. And what I loved about the Rogers appointment uh, was they announced it on cup final day when when the Huns got beaten by Hibs in that incredible cup final. Um, so eventually all was well. It ended well with with the Huns losing the cup final and Rodgers uh, Rogers being appointed, and we all know what happened after that. So um yeah, so Ronnie I say I wish him well. Uh, but it, it was uh, it wasn't a great two seasons to be to be honest with you. Okay, folks, take care. Hail hail.
3: Okay, you understand the next side? Now I want points, okay? Show where you want it, tell them where you want it all the time. So get get it on the left foot, do it as quick as possible. And then you play, stay here, play hard. <laughs> you take it with you, and then you, you come you here again, and you lay it off. Huh? Did you when you come here, come on, minute, play, you up. get it back, stop, I take it with me, <laughs> and then you're starting, and then you get through. Okay, much more tempo you want to do. Come on, hard process. <laughs> Tell me what you, what you want. Come on, where you want <laughs> it. Come on, quick, quick. first <laughs> <down>. yeah. <laughs> straight on me. Yes, sir. Perfect. Very good. Yes. Quick. Quick. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. 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 Come on, come on, come on, come on. yes. Attack it and create 2v1. Then we need to engage people. Commit something. Come on. Yes, on. Hard passes. Come on. Want it back. Yes, yes. That's yes. Good. Take it with you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes, yes, love it. That's come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Yes, come, on. come on. Come on. Yes. Go yes, yes. Yes, yes. Come on. Yes. Come on. Go. Go. Go.
0: It was peak Peter Lowell, that um, somehow enabled Ronnie Dyler to be the Celtic manager uh, Initially he was um, going to be the assistant manager and Neil went and said no, so they got rid of Mialby and basically said, you're, you're going away as well. Then he was going to be assistant to Henrik Larson and Henrik said no to that as well. Then he was going to be assistant to Roy Keane and Roy Keane said no as well. But for whatever reason, man, city, um, Diala remained on the radar and, and eventually got the job. And I remember uh, a friend of mine who was, who was a writer, had been um tasked with going over by his organisation to go and find out more about Ronnie Dyler. And um, he came back and was like, this has got to be a new thing for Celtic. I mean, it's basically, as he said, then a hipster appointment, you know, and uh, all the hipsters will get behind it. But I'm not sure the fans, the only hipsters, basically, will enjoy it. And... Um, yeah, it was it was very, very strange, and, you know, at a time I was in sort of, uh, no constant, but, you know, sort of uh, reasonably frequent dialogue with Peter Lawwell, and I basically asked him, like, what 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 is going on here? Why are we bringing in this c- guy who's a complete kind of unknown and, you know, has got a small track record, and he said, well, he said, the way we look at it, he said, there's you know, the Huns um, will come up at the end of the season, and by that time Ronnie will have had a year's experience and he'll be the guy ready to um, sort of ensure that there's any kind of challenge. Well, of course, that fell flat in their faces right away because obviously they never came up. So that was one thing. Um, But... I got to meet the guy on his um, sort of first appearance at Celtic um, when he was unveiled to the crowd and that. And he was like a rabbit stuck in the headlights, you know. He had uh, one of these mindsets in football which I thought, this is not going to work, <laughs> you know. He was um, very kind of stubborn about um, how he played and that. And it wasn't like in a... Ange Postacoglu, let's buy the players that fit into the system kind of way. This was in a, we're going to play the system regardless who plays type thing, which I just think is a nonsense as a football manager. Um, But of course, you know, like any new Celtic manager, I've said it before, whether it's John Barnes or Joe Venglos, you back them, you want them to succeed and you hope, against hope, that, you know, this will be a... a Really good start and a really um, different era into the club, but for the first kind of few months, I think felt Ronnie Dyler was in his shell a wee bit. Now I know that um, he just couldn't understand things like ex players, particularly at the time, it was Chris Sutton and John Hartson, were constantly critical of him. He was, he had never experienced anything like that. He'd never experienced the demands of somewhere like Celtic. Um and that how what you did affected so many people, and I think there were conversations that were had then with him and Peter Lawwell about I think I should maybe just go, and I think Peter Lawwell basically convinced him because he knew full well that um, at that point Celtic were not attracting um really big players and and big managers because everybody knew it was what Peter wants that went there and and that was it so. You know, he had to try and sort of say, he knew full well that if Ronnie had left, then it would fall back on him as much as um, anybody else. And it has to be remembered that in Peter Lowell's time at Celtic, the two appointments that were solely him, the Dermot Desmond went right, against his better instinct and let him pick them, was Tony Mowbray and Ronnie Dyler. So... The The initial sort of signs were great and Ronnie, as I said, was in his shell. You know, we'd seen a lot of footage on social media about this guy going mental at games and, you know, stripping off and there was a story went round that for a cup final for Strong Godset, he basically, um, him and his coaching staff came in wearing sex toys just to break the tension and all that and get the players laughing before the game he was this guy who you know didn't really come across very well in interviews and sort of seemed to be playing within himself basically and of course a Celtic manager you cannot be like that
6: I don't that Tyler it was a odd choice to replace Neil Lennon uh, obviously I'm Went had hung up his hope for after four seasons three seasons to, to win the league in the, in the first one and it was uninspiring in some ways but also quite inspiring because we'd heard how he'd got on at Strong Godset set and it was like I'd heard it described as like Inverness winning the league which is probably a bit harsh and Strong Godset, set but he came away. A decent pedigree, but everybody knew it was going to be a step up. And taking over from Lennon was going to be a difficult task for him. It was a time when we, Rangers haven't died a few seasons before. There was no real challenge in the league. So we all knew that Europe was where he had to kind of land. And it was that annoying 2014 eh, where... Celtic Park had been used for the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games, so we couldn't play our European qualifiers there, which was just odd. So we went to Murrayfield, we beat Reykjavik fairly convincingly, uh, and then came Lega Warsaw. And we, we started all right in Warsaw. So, I mean, Cal McGregor, uh, who'd kind of come into the team for the first time under Dyla, um got us off to a decent start there, but we lost 4 1. Uh, so it was always going to be an uphill struggle at Murrayfield and we never really got going in that game. Um, Legia was 3-0 according to the stats books. We all know that anybody was here it, it was a 2-0 win for Legia in the day. But the, Bartosz Beresinski will uh, forever be tied to that game uh, due to coming on as a substitute in the last few minutes when he wasn't actually... Uh, a, valid player to play because he was serving a suspension um, and so that 2-0 defeat turned into a 3-0 Celtic win and Carl McGregor's goal became vital because it was a way goal's win we didn't kick on from that we got Maribor in the next round a team where we should have seen them off we, we drew one each over in uh, the away leg and you would expect to win that tie coming back to Celtic Park and we just never really looked it again. I lost one 0 and dropped into the Europa League because yeah. The, the Europa League campaign was fairly okay. Uh, there was some games were decent some weren't. We qualified for the group I ended up playing Inter Milan in the 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 knockout stages, which did lead to a fantastic three each game at Celtic Park. Um but ultimately be, be lost out on on aggregating that. so it was another Disappointing end to a European campaign, which had a few disappointments in it. It took Diallo a while to get going um, in his first season. There was a lot of questions as to whether he, the step was too big for him. But when he did get going, it started to make a bit of sense, and it, we started to look like we were going to do things under Diallo. I think a couple of the things I liked about him was, was maybe that it was it was always in his attacking football, um, which has been the Celtic way for as long as I can remember. Um, but he was a bit too stubborn with it. He would refuse to change anything, really. He had no real plan B because it was always the accusations. Uh, I think w- one of the things he deserves a lot of credit for is he's been one of the few guys uh, and. and and all of himself to memory actually to be able to blood the youngsters and I mentioned Carl McGregor he kind of finally broke into the team under Dyla in the early years another one that came through the ranks was Kieran Tierney he was given this chance under uh, Dyla and it was something that I don't think Rodgers really managed to do Lennon never really did in his two tenures either Postacoglu has been kind of managing to do it sort of in, in some ways uh, but he's still really relying more on Like the transfers in, so I think that's something that Dial doesn't get enough credit for. Another thing that I don't think Dial gets enough credit for is fixing James Forrest. Under Neil Lennon in his first term, Forrest was in and out of the team a lot. He was always getting injured. Um, You can never really get around the games at him. But under Dialer, whatever it was that needed sorted out with him, got sorted out, and he kind of grew in stature. And I think. If not Daila himself, certainly Brendan Rodgers got the benefit of that because James Forrest was at his peak under uh, Rogers and it started with Daila because that's when he started getting the run of games together. So I think that was that was probably a key um, for him. The, the fitness was another thing. I mean, there was a lot of debate back and forth of that one. Like Neil Lennon's team was was noted as being unfit, not just by Ronnie Diala, but later by Ange Postacoglu as well. So it was a, a change in mindset for the team to be far more fat and cut out all the nonsense at Lennox down. and a few of the players kind of pushed against that, uh, and that was that was probably most noticeable in something like Chris Commons. Uh, Commons had been great under Lennon. I mean the 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 set no about that, but the one of the most memorable things was in the second season under Dialer when um, we played in the Europa League in the Mulder and in the away game and Collins was actually probably our best player that night. And Dyler subbed them off and there was an all-out Barney on the touchline for Collins shirking him. As much as I would have agreed with Collins that he didn't deserve to come off that day, you can't do that. You have to respect the manager and not show that kind of dissent. And I think that was probably the kind of death knell for Dyler because that showed there was just no respect, and it was, it, you should never see that in a pitch. And uh, the, the, as much as the first season had ended quite well, and there's no doubt that Ronnie Dyler was robbed of a treble that season. um we won the League Cup without conceding a goal we beat uh, the New Rangers in the the first ever meeting between the two teams Uh, we we romped the league Uh, it was only three games to go that we actually clinched the league but that was more down to the fact that Aberdeen weren't really dropping points against rubbish (laughs) Uh, that's always been one of the better criticisms of the the other teams in Scotland if they want to mount a challenge they have to not drop the silly points and this was one of Aberdeen's best seasons so uh, they they kinda they fell away with those last three games because once the league was done, they were kinda done. Um so it was a the gap at the top was probably artificial. We, we still picked up ninety two points that season. I mean that was that was a great return um for anybody. But um, so Aberdeen were, were a decent league challenge without Ever really threatening to beat us they were better in the second season for Underdile I think they won both of the games at Baudry that season um, but the the, the the clincher for that first season was the semi-final against Inverness because we were running a lot we should have had a penalty and a red card for just Meekings for, for Inverness who clearly handled the ball and there is no excuse in any official missing that there was three of them had clear line of sight the one behind the goal line should definitely have seen that. It was a clear handball and yet none of them gave it. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. It's, it, we were cheated that day. Having said that, we should have went on and won that game anyway. We were one of up in cruising and then they broke up the park with a really terrible corner from, from us actually. Uh, Gordon... Had to come out and wipe the player when we went down to ten men, and we, we lost it an extra time at the end of it. But we we, we threw that game away even without the referee, um decision, and that I don't know if that kind of trapped us up or not because we went for that first season, it looked as if we were going in the right direction to the second season, we just went backwards. Yeah, Europe was another failure in uh, the Champions League qualifying with, with Malmo um, and that Joe get yeah, coming back to haunt us. Why does that always seem to happen? Like, he was a flop to a uh, under dial in the first season and yet he came back and scored the goals for Malmo which ultimately helped them get into the the Champions League at our expense. We dropped into Europa League again and that Europa League campaign was rotten. Um, if the first season we kind of picked up some decent results but we're, there was some bloopers in there this was just Rubbish. We finished bottom. It's probably one of our, our worst European campaigns in a long time. Um, we lost the, the, the League Cup semi-final to Ross County, and we went on to win the tournament. And the final against Hibs, uh, and then the the league was was really tight. We were really worried that Aberdeen were going be going to catch us, and overtake us. And then came that one weekend where we looked as if we were going to drop points at Rugby Park. Tom Rogic fires one in in the 90th minute to win 1-0, and then Aberdeen dropped points later that same day, and that kind of pushed us over the line. Uh, we, we, we just kicked on for there to win the league, but the, the, de- the final nail in, in Ronald Island's coffin was that semi final against Rangers. We were pretty poor that day, and it still took extra time and penalties for, for the new Rangers to to beat us for the very first time. Um well, I guess it was technically a drawing. decided to die, but um thankfully that meant Rangers were the team in the final who who lost out to Hibbs in the hundred and fourteen year end in Hoodoo. So that was the end uh, for Diala. It was announced that he was leaving at the end of that season, not long after that game. Uh, and we got Brendan Rogers in and, and things kicked on from there. But I I I mean I think Diala's Bringing through the youth, again, definitely helped Brendan Rodgers. And he did technically start off the record-breaking, unbeaten domestic run. Uh, because the very first game of the 60-odds the was... was 69, I believe it was. Um, was the the 7-0 drop in the Willowoo in the Red Isle's final game. Uh, in which Jack Aitchison him off the bench and and scored to be not only Celtic's youngest ever player but youngest ever goal scorer Um, and it's a shame that just never got more of a chance Um, maybe maybe it would have worked out maybe it wouldn't he never really got a chance under Rodgers which I think is a kind of a signpost to exactly what Dial brought in he he, he did some good things at Celtic I don't think there's any doubt of that he's certainly a, a part of the the second nine in a row, There's no taking away for that. He was robbed of a treble. There's no guarantee we would have won the final, but it would have been against Falkirk. You would expect to win that, and for this, certainly did. Um, but the second season, we just never kicked on for there. Um, and it was clear that when it was done, it was done. The The fact that the attendances were down in the uh, home averages was probably down to the fact that the football never really got to a level that we wanted it to get to for any time to kind of consistency. And ultimately, I think you might have been a bit lucky that Rangers failed to get promotion that season um, because I think it would have been an even bigger challenge in that second season. Had Rangers come up and spunk the money as he'd been doing for that kind of time, so the fact that Aberdeen fell away after that, eh, Rogic go Rugby Park was was good for us. But I think if another team had been in that challenge as well, that then I know might never have happened. So I think Ronnie went at the right time. I don't have any bad words to say of him. I, I was delighted to see him do well in the. MLS Cup um, a couple of years back there uh, with, with New York City. Mm. So I think he, he was a good man with some good ideas but maybe it was just too big for him.
0: The second time I met Ronnie Dyler was uh, in the November of that first season and we had just drawn Safeco in the League Cup semi-final. And uh, it was at a fans forum, which I'd been one of the main agitators for, and it was finally kind of rubber stamped uh, This in this period, despite, you know, even if you go on the fans forum page, it says they were established since 2017, which is nonsense. Um, But there you go. So <laughs> it was quite funny because I'll never forget, there was a lot of people, maybe about 30 people there, uh, I think it was in another southern restaurant, Lowell's there, and you know, all the sort of um unrecognizable folk that work at Celtic who make big decisions and have no clue about fans and stuff. And um there was everybody was champing at the bit because everybody at this point had had two years of this it's still the same Rangers push, you know? And the first two questions were about the bloody bus park and we were all sitting there like, what the fuck is going on here, okay? So anyway, third question I get. And I says to Lawwell, you know, why have you said nothing about the fact that um we've drawn against Safeco and yet we're just getting to tell it's Rangers, it's rangers, it's rangers. You have to say something. This is get beyond a joke. And he went, Well, what are you expecting us to do? I said, Just fucking make us an official statement saying, Look, it's not a fucking same club and it's disrespectful to our fans to say it is and blah 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 and that's it. And he just Fucking wet blathering on about fucking this, that, and the next thing. Oh, well, we had bombs and bullets sent to the club and all this. And I just said to him, look, Peter, I said, no matter what you say, they will never hate you any less. And then this opened the floodgates for everybody shouting and bawling. Meanwhile, Ronnie Dyla is sitting there going, what the fuck is this going on? And I felt a bit responsible for this. So at the end, I just said, look, Ronnie, I know this is really nothing of with you, but all you've got to do is beat them. And he just nodded his head and said, oh, well, will, I will, kind of thing. Um, but I remember talking to him after that, and uh, his, his whole theme then was, oh, this is a big club, huge club, well, obviously, aye. That was always one of my pet peeves. John Barnes done the same. They get, get a few months in and go, Jesus, I did not really recognise how big a club this was. Well, really, that should have kindly made sure that you were never anywhere near it, but... You are and here we go. And you've heard people say, Oh Ronnie a really nice guy and all that and and he was. Um but there was a darker side and I'll come on to that later. But I have to say that there was a strange situation happened to me personally where because of this nonsensical Commonwealth Games thing and Celtic Gain up Celtic Park, which again an utter disgrace, you know, um, we had to play at Murrayfield, a different city, We you know, uh, for the European games. And of course, Reykjavik we beat and then we got gubbed by uh, Legia Warsaw. But then, of course, they played an ineligible player. Now, I was at that game with my son, James, who at the time was 13. And we were surrounded by Polish thugs, basically, that made uh, particularly James's enjoyment And I know there was much to enjoy. Just horrendous. And I just wasn't a... And I found out basically that Celtic could sell tickets to whoever liked basically um, because, because their their argument was Well we can't discriminate against people with Polish addresses And I said so what you're saying to me is That these people from Poland have all of a sudden decided to come to a Celtic game To support Celtic and just coincidentally it's against a Polish team I mean come on the fuck So I just wouldn't have let it go and um, I was speaking to Ian Jameson, and anybody's dealings with Ian Jameson, Ian Jameson will tell you whatever you want, and then never speak to you again, you know? But he was not letting... You know, for, if it was me, I'd be like, well, fuck it. But my son had been wronged that night, and I was not letting it go. So eventually, through him, he was like, oh, come in and, uh, before a game, and uh, we'll get James to meet the, the players. And to be fair to him, I don't organise that. And so... We went round the players, they were all absolutely fantastic. James got his program signed by them all, thought he's taken with them all. Uh, and the only player that was a wee bit humpty dumpty was um Jason Denier. And Jason he was a bit a bit big time and and Stephen Johansson actually says to him, ooh, Jason Denier, superstar like that. Um, but the two players that were absolutely phenomenal were Charlie Mulgrew and Virgil Van Dyke just superb. So that was it, we went in and, and uh, the the guys were great, they gave him a top with Liam Henderson's name on it at the back at the time, and out we go into the kind of tunnel area, and we're just kind of standing there, and uh, the next thing Ronnie Dyla comes out, and we hadn't seen him in the dressing room at all, right, and uh, this is again November 2014, and um, he came out and he shook her hands and blah, 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 and he's talking and he turned to James and he was like, oh, you know, heard about what happened, that's terrible, blah, 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 blah. He says, eh, you know, hopefully you've had a great day today. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And he goes, have you got any message for the team? And, uh, you know, how was James, 13-year-old, is me? He say oh, just hope we win or whatever. He turns to Ronnie Dyler and says, can you ensure the team starts a wee bit faster in games because I think it's killing us. <laughs> Ronnie just looked at him like, okay, yes, no problem. And I thought, fucking fair play. All right, no bother, eh? Um, so I he was a personable um, guy in that sense. Um, but one of the things that the fans forum, that myself and others had said to him was, you know, where is this Ronnie Madman guy? And he's kind of, what do you mean? And we were telling him about all these incidents with Seed and he's laughing and that. Okay, right, no problem. We're playing Aberdeen Petordre on Saturday or Sunday and we won the game. I think Bruni scored the winner. And that was the introduction of the Ronnie Rohr after that game where we won. The
1: prize a place in the League Cup final and a match up next month on March the 15th against Dundee United who defeated Aberdeen in yesterday's first last four class. Anthony Stokes returns from injury and Mikhail Lustig is preferred to Adam Matthews at right back. Four of that Celtic team have played in this fixture. Brown and Commons have Old Firm goals under their belt. Kenny McDowell has stiffened up the midfield with the often controversial Ian Black coming back into the side. Kenny Miller, who has scored for both these clubs in this fixture, will play a role he has performed so often at this stadium as the lone front man. One last pep talk between Kenny Miller and Ian Black as Rangers prepare to get us underway attacking the Tory Glen end of Hampden Park. In the Blue Shirts, White Shorts, Celtic Green and White traditional... And it's the long ball towards Miller, which is headed away by Virgil van Dijk. 399 times in National League and Cup competitions. Celtic have met Rangers. They didn't think they'd have to wait almost three years for the 400. There's Lustig. Locked at source. That's not bad. That's good best!
4: It. Rangers want to make sure they keep themselves in the tie-in inside 10 minutes it's a poor poor defensive setup. you've got to close it down and stop the cross it's a fantastic ball in and Lee Griffiths has just peeled off of Darren McGregor there and it's a great finish getting it in on target and putting Celtic 1-0 up what a start for Celtic but horrendous for Rangers
1: Touch there from Anthony Stokes and
4: equally so the aired. Foster did get the shot, might be too late for that. That's Stokes. Just cutting inside, that's what he's all you know all about playing in that area. Good play from Griffiths. And then there's a gap there to attack. He'll be disappointed he's not hit the target. He's got the quality, Stokes, there's no doubt about that. But he'll be disappointed he's not made Simmonson work.
1: Hansen puts it in. It's away by Wallace. Brown. by Law. Brown keeps going. Just coming. Shoot! Shoot!
4: play. One touch. No other thought in his mind other than having a shot on target. That is phenomenal strike. And it's exactly what Chris Collins is all about. Look at that. Past the goalkeeper. Great goal.
7: Ronnie joined us for two seasons. 2014 to 2016. Succeeding Neil Lennon. For those that know me, he's all be glad that I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Well, not yet. When he arrived, it was a bit of an unknown. He didn't seem to follow the normal structure for Celtic managers. There were no link to the club and he didn't seem to have a prolific background elsewhere. The press at the time seemed to home in and the fact that he'd stripped off in Norway. And I think for... Most of the fans, we just hoped that it wasn't going to do a repeat at Celtic Park. We started off with a disaster a season. We lost 6-1 in aggregate to Liga Warsaw, which put us out in the Champions League. Fast forward a few days though, and Liga Warsaw were put out of the competition due to a player registration issue. And as such, the result of the game was reversed and Celtic progressed through. Sadly, it was a very short-lived progression and we were put out by Mariborra, Sweden. I think we're probably the only club that's ever been put out of the Champions League twice in the same season. The domestic season for us started off in a slow fashion and I think it was in end October, beginning of November, that we started to find ourselves, And probably at that point, that's when there was a slight turnaround for the fans to support Ronnie. Um, sure, it was a 2-1 victory against Aberdeen where his passion came through at the end of the game and he seemed to celebrate for the touchline and the Ronnie was started. Domestically, once we started... With a better performance, getting the consistency in the field, playing better, passing started to work. Ronnie had more of a passing game, it did start to gel for us, and we went on to win the league um, in the Scottish League Cup after beating Dundee United. Two or three cups should have been seen as a major achievement for Ronnie's first season when I look back on it now the stats side of it it certainly was but I think there was still a lot of disappointment at the time given the performances we'd seen a poorer Celtic squad than what we'd had for a long time season 2 in Europe is probably one that we all want to skip past um, and probably turned a lot of fans totally against Ronnie. We were put out the Champions League and although progressed through into the Europa group, we managed to finish at the bottom in one of the easiest groups that we'd ever been placed in. The tactics were poor. We just looked naive against any opposition that we come up against. It was a bit of a nightmare. With a disastrous start to the second season, the European results, the crowd started dwindling at Celtic Park. I'm sure it was around about this time that the sections of the top tier started to get closed and a club like no other banner appeared. Embarrassing slightly, but who can blame people for not wanting to pay money to turn up to watch poor football? or we were playing second fiddle to Aberdeen and at that point they were really strong contenders for winning the league. We became predictable in our play. Our midfield had no consistency at all. It was frustrating to watch. The performances were tedious and week by week, the stadium got quieter. Um, I think it was around March, um, at Rugby Park, it was a 90th minute goal for Tom Roderick that finally turned us around to get that bit of gap against that uh, away for Aberdeen. And at that point, League Two pretty much fell into the bag. So, for that point, where where was the final nail for Ronnie? Performance-wise, the board kept backing them. No matter what seemed to happen with Europe, like many managers, the board had still backed him. For me, I think the final nail came was the defeat against Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final in April 2016. The game itself finished a 2-2 draw at full time. And then we were beat 5-4 in penalties to a Rangers team that had dominated possession throughout the game. But let's not forget, at that point, Rangers were only in our league. A Rangers defeat at any time. It's hard to take. By stats. At that point, them being in the lower league... It should have never occurred. And to a lot of people, we never contemplated that defeat happening. And I think pretty much that was the final straw, albeit he did serve to the end of that season to lift the East Setting Trophy. On paper, as said before, it's hard to say that he wasn't successful he won 3 out of 6 domestic trophies including the league twice but then again if we look at it on the other hand season 1 not only did we have no Rangers there were no Hearts there were no Hibs and that's one that always has to be looked at when we think of the success in that season but what he did bring us. It brought through Griffiths, which I'm sure whether we loved or hated him off the park, on the park, it became instrumental in the years to come. It did bring in the Ronnie Roar as time came on, and the fans started to love that bit of rallying at the end of the football after a win. And let's be very thankful that we never saw the Scottish headlines. For Ronnie Stratton, for Celtic.
8: It was in the first minute, or the last. It's Rogic, though! What a way to win a game! Tom Rogic, with an absolute screamer! and
2: great significance wow so they're on a years two seasons I think it can be summed doubt that he was a hell of a nice guy the question I suppose that's got to be asked is was he too nice to be a Celtic manager I think the evidence on the whole would say that he was By the end, they'd probably kind of lost the dressing room a wee bit, uh, as displayed by Chris Common's diabolical reaction to being substituted away in Europe, which I thought he should never have kicked a ball again for Celtic after that. Uh, He was, unfortunately, given more prominence than he probably should have been by Brendan Rodgers at the end of his first season when his contract had run out, wasn't he offered a new one? I think for obvious reasons for his reaction to Ronnie Dyler. Uh, I don't think he was helped in the board. Uh, Basically shoehorning John Collins in and as his number two. A man who'd had problems with the dressing room and when he was a manager at Hibs, that led to his demise there. Uh, Always struck me as a guy that loved himself more than the club, so I think that was a a known runner for the start. I remember when he came in, it was kind of like the same thing as Angie's video release, except he was talking to other coaches and giving a... A presentation, and there was the English translation and the subtitles, and I quite liked the way his ideas about the game and about fitness and sports science. I thought we might have a winner, and it'd be fair. He won the league twice, uh, but I don't think the reactions that he got for the players and the cups was enough to do the club justice in his second season. Lee Griffiths, I think, scored 41 goals. Probably Lee Griffiths' best season in a Celtic jersey. And he seemed to have screwed the knot that season and behaved himself for a change. Uh, I suppose when you look at it, he was responsible for the introduction of, two of were more important players in later years, and Kieran Tierney and Callum McGregor into the side so in that respect it deserves a lot of thanks because we might have lost Callum in Yachts County who are delighted with his performance down there uh, funnily enough playing alongside Jack Grealish has went for a £100 million I would ask myself if Callum McGregor was playing in England how much he would be worth now uh, it's definitely got to be in the three figures because I don't think Jack Grealish is a, a patch on what Callum McGregor is and Kieran Tierney, we, we all know what happened there. Uh, once he was introduced into this idea, it was never dropped again, uh, which I felt a wee bit for Emilio Izaguiri, who hadn't really let us down. Uh, the football was promising when he came in his first season. Uh, we played some decent stuff to start off with, but... I don't think the players really bought into the sports science side of things and the energy levels weren't what they should have been. We failed to qualify for the Champions League, which was disappointing uh, because that's where this club should aspire to be. Uh, So we never really got the chances, really. We lost the not the finest teams in Europe uh, in qualifying uh, has to be said don't think the early starts particularly helped us but you can't really use that as an excuse you should always be ready when you're playing for a club like Celtic when you come to the qualifiers for Europe Uh, we had some promising displays at Murrayfield in Europe uh, when we played there in front of capacity crowds because of the Commonwealth Games. But on the whole, I think Ronnie Diala was a missed opportunity. He was going to come in as somebody's number two. And Peter Lowell, in his lack of wisdom, decided to offer him the top job. Uh, I suppose it's about like Neil Lennon uh, was lucky to keep his job uh, when we didn't win the title in 2011. Uh, allowing Rangers to do three in a row. He was lucky to keep his job on the, against Kilmarnock, the, the season we finally won the league again and Rangers obviously had their troubles to seek that year with liquidation on the horizon. So I think it's comparable in Lowell's lack of vision and appointing the managerial position. I think that was only really rectified when Rangers, in their wisdom, decided to annoy were major shareholder Dermot Desmond at Hamden and uh, what was to be the catalyst for Ronnie's departure for the club when their board were rubbing Dermot's nose on it and he then decided that we we're going to bring in a proper manager and Brendan Rodgers. But again, that was that was bling more than anything I think from the Celtic board to say look who we've got now luckily it worked out and uh, it established a dominance over Rangers that apart from the abomination of the, the Covid season they haven't really recovered for. Uh, so be careful what you wish for Rangers because you might just get it I think In the early days of Angie's reign, uh, we were kind of comparing him to Ronnie Dyla in a way because he's a nice guy, but we didn't realise he had that ruthless streak that Ronnie lacked uh, because he he always played nice with the media uh, until they got out of order and then he backed back and how. Uh, Whereas Ronnie never really had that kind of... Ability to win respect That Ange's got I would say On the whole that Although we won Two league titles uh, Not perhaps the greatest Of performances With that Celtic team At times the uh, football Could be one dimensional Because the players Did they have the fitness To play the football That Ronnie wanted And again that's down to lack of willingness to pick up the baton, as it were, in terms of eating right, behaving their cell off the pitch. Uh, it was only really Kieran Tierney and Callum McGregor for that team that you would say would fit into any Celtic team these days uh, because the rest, apart from maybe might be Virgil van Dijk in his first season, uh, aren't they really what you would call top athletes? I think it's been proven with the, the players that we had there, not really anyone's went on apart from Tierney and Van Dyke to greater heights. <coughs> so again, I would say it's mixed blessings, I suppose, with these seasons that we never really had the, the backing of the... The team and the board, really, I don't think they really had a lot of faith in him. It was a a last-minute appointment, and I don't think they were overwhelmingly in favour of it because they wanted him as a number two to start off with. I think that was always the mentality of the players towards him. This guy's just an assistant. He's not a manager. Although he did invent the Ronnie Roar, I suppose that's one of the positives that came out of that. That season was amidst all the criticism, he actually won the fans over and they were on his side. Uh so when he did the gesture at Aberdeen when we won there, that he basically won the fans over. We always want our Celtic managers to do good, but I just think Ronnie got the job too early. Uh I don't think it was I think the job was basically too big for him. But I wish him well in the future. I have no ill feeling towards the guy. I just think the job was too big and there was too many things working against him and with John Collins and a lack of buy-in, really, for the players. And I was big personality players in the squad that didn't really, really take to him. So that's all I've got to say on the Ronnie years. Uh, again, I hope this finds you well. And... The rest of the
0: podcast listeners. So, over and out. I have to pick up on one thing there because it just reminded me. Um, this myth about this so called celebration, the Seco board were doing at Hamden, uh, it's, was perpetrated by Phil McGilliman and um, it's a complete lie. <laughs> you know, it's a great story in that, but I have spoken to every single pe- person who was there representing Celtic that day at Hamden, and every one of them said we were never anywhere near them I don't know where this is coming from and it just didn't happen so it's a great story but completely untrue Just before
9: I'd gone to speak about Ronnie Dyer and his time at Celtic I'd just uh, quickly like to mention one of Paul's wee Facebook posts through the week there which related to my posts and the comments for the last podcast with the swearing uh, obviously that was done to the Huns and understandable where I do want to challenge that though is I'm sure Tam Donnelly must have done at least a dozen podcasts in the past where he swore at least twice that amount so anyway on to Ronnie Dyler. Uh, he came from strong Godset days and he'd won a cup in the league there and obviously meant to come in as well number two and before you know it, he's in at the deep end. But um, he'd done the usual run about Europe, going to City and Barca or Liverpool and the big names to learn his trade. To, well, not learn his trade, but to study them. And So he was all about ta- attacking football and in theory, kind of, should should have fitted in well with And... He got after a bit of a debacle here, I started with the home games for the qualifiers at Murrayfield. We bit of distinction for them there. The Celtic manager playing at Murrayfield in the European ties. Yeah? So, um, Reckovic, no borders, nothing really there. But the Legia Warsaw, so that was a bit of a debacle with the reprieve and then getting out and back in and then Maribor to put us out if I, if I remember rightly and so hi his first season um, when you look at it it was the double we beat Dundee United won the, the League Cup and he's attacking football as far as I could see and it was all aboard the, the dialer bus and the Ronnie Roar in the first season which 2014 and I mean, it was a victim, Celtic, the victim of obviously the worst fucking decision that you'll ever see in the football field with the, the Josh Meetings handball, and if it hadn't been for that, it would have been a treble, and seeing that, though, I mean, even now we've our fucking, no doubt Andrew Dallas, a wee bastard, would still wouldn't have a penalty for it, so, by all accounts, he was that handball away for the chance to win a treble, and... We'd have seen how it went after that. So if and in you never know. So on to the next season in Europe again, that was fucking fucked up before. We, the disharmony in the camp with the whole Chris Commons after Malmo. And, I mean, I always went with... with at the time, I went with it. I thought that you always back the manager. No man's bigger the club. And, Apart from the three amigos aside, I can't really remember much. Other ones at Celtic, we had that uh, unrest between a player and the manager. But uh, I thought Commons was out of order and no matter what, we should, uh, it created stuff that we didn't need at the time. But anyway, on again, won the league that year. And the writing was on the wall. really. We all knew it was going to go. And come the end of the season, we dabbled in, didn't we? They were everybody in the fucking... Their, their dog was wanting him to win the league that year, but he held on and I'm sure big project. When it that was the one doing it, come on to to bail us out with the last minute. One of the fucking greatest strikes you'll see. Um, so I think was it three three games to spare. We won the league that year. and That was out off he went. But like I was saying, he wasn't he wasn't meant to become as a manager. So I mean, if he did come as he's number two, the number two. For that first year to get into Cell to learn what it was about and whatever else and I mean, you never know. The the drinking culture that was there. I mean, for him himself, never mind the players, that that, that might I know have not been there if he'd if it a year into somebody would have got him run the, the next is here, get a grip, you don't do that, you're not gonna get away with that here then things might have went different for Tyler at Celtic but I mean he's went on again and won a cup in America and went to Belgium and whatever else fucking stripped into his pants didn't he the mad bastard or he's kept his promise and fair play to him so there's something there, I mean if there's a guy who wins trophies before when he was here and then afterwards and I think he was a decent coach probably into in the, the finer sides of football, the as opposed to the, the man management, but aye, Ronnie Dyler 6 out
0: of 10. I mentioned the darker side, and um, some people are still in a wee bit of denial about this, but let's just say Ronnie Dyler was mad for the baby and the birds, um he was indulged a lot by Celtic in terms of all this sports science stuff and all these kind of Norwegian colony that ended up at Mar Hall where he was staying and um. but he was just mad for drinking and, and holidays and stuff like that I mean within the first international break of his Celtic career he was off to Spain And straight away, eyebrows were raised because people were kind of like, does he know what to come and train the players that are here and get to know them better and all that kind of stuff. But I think then it's kind of, well, he's Norwegian, you know, we need to try and sort of um, no alienate him. Um, But, you know, he was starting to get into... um, we disagreements with people who saw him out late and, you know, one particular one was he was out till, um, the early hours before basically going him get changed, get ready and going straight to the airport to an away game in Europe, um, which was starting to cause anxiety among Celtic directors and stuff who could basically smell drink off his breath. And, um, He also had absolutely, despite the kind of hype, no interest whatsoever in really extra training or, you know, working beyond the hours. And you could guarantee that every day without fail, we'd be finished training, out the door, on the golf course. With John Collins there as well. And of course, it's been mentioned, but John Collins was not he so much voice to do him, but he was basically given a list of names and had to pick who he would want, and that's just not good at all. He has a meal with Collins and then decides, right, he'll do, you know, thinking, oh, he's an ex-player and all that kind of thing. And somebody mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, John Collins loves himself more than anything else, which in my experience, and I can only base it on my experience, is absolutely true. <laughs> um, he's a strange guy. There's no two ways about it. And I was uh, told one time that when um, Celtic f- first visited Tannadice under Ronnie Dyler, and of course, Dun United at the time was Jackie McNamara, Simon Donnelly, and Darren Jackson. Collins introduced them to Ronnie Dyler as ex Celtic players and then said, but none of them scored against Rangers like I did. To which John Jackson replied, "So how many league medals did you win, John? You know, it's kind of like why would you try and belittle people? You know who who all gave a lot to Celtic, but you know I I was hearing a lot of stuff through the grapevine and that, and um, at a time I had a pretty decent relationship with." people at the club and whatever, and basically wanted to clarify a few things, as they always seemed to want to do as well at the time, and, um, so, I asked Peter Lowell directly, <clears throat> you know, I've been hearing a lot of bad shit about Ronnie Dyler's work ethic, you know, it was kind of polite, I'm not going to go in there and say the man's drinking too much or that kind of thing, but, you know, about his work ethic. To which Peter Lawwell replied, Well, it's better than Lenny's. Well, that's no barometer at all, um, as people well know. So it was kind of like, mm, This isn't really going. And of course, people are mentioning the football. I didn't want to repeat and replicate what people are saying, you know, getting my take or everything. People are getting great takes. <clears throat> but first season, okay. You know, cheated out of Treble, we all know that. Um, highlighted it in anyone but Celtic. Um, John Fallon said, you know, there's four people looking at it. Nobody gives a decision. So, basically, the second season, um, the football was absolutely dire. And the crowds were dropping big time. You know, Joe Lang mentioned um, the banner that went up, and it just became accepted that we wouldn't be selling these seats, and people were. You know, I know people go, "Why not give them that unemployed and give them this data?" You know, never sell to you know, get them the innings. Like try to turn the Queen Mary in a fucking bathtub, you know. And um, come down to the crunch of the second season was basically, you know, a day. Where Tom Rogic scored the winner at Kilmarnock, and then Aberdeen lost. And if that had been had gone the other way, we could have easily lost that league. Absolutely need no doubt about it because we were absolutely toiling. Um, none more so than the semi-final against Sefco, which I went in a bad mood because I was meeting a guy, Connor Fallon. I'm going to pull you up for this, who we a ticket, and he for some reason mistook the north stand at Hamden for the main stand. So I'm standing outside the main stand, where the fuck are you? I'm standing there, where all this kind of stuff. Eventually get there, fine. I was in a shitty corner seat in Hamden. I hate Hamden at the best of times. And everything about that performance was just absolute rank rotten. Now, in a funny way, as I said before, like, you know, had this myth about Hamden, the real Punishment for the Huns then at that particular time was losing to Hibs in the cup final because Hibs were at hand and a lot in this time period and somebody was going to lose to them eventually, and I'm glad it was them. But ultimately, for for Ronnie, you know, at that point, his time was up. So towards the end, it was really uh, getting a bit nasty. Uh mentioned before Phil McGilliban and uh James Forrest, the Celtic blog, were both advocating uh boycotts. I- ironic considering none of them ever set foot in a Celtic game. Eh, uh, but and the club were getting really concerned because the other issue was Resolution twelve at the time, um ten thousand had been knocked off the crowd. The Kilmarnock game I mentioned um when Roger scored, the club actually paid to lower the price of the tickets to get a crowd down there. Such was the such a bad feeling going around the club. Um, and at that point I requested a meeting with Peter Lawwell you know, just basically as a concerned supporter, saying, Look, is this fucking guy gonna be here next year or what? Because you know it's awful. And to be fair to Peter Lawwell he said everything other than he will be going definitely. Um, but he made every kind of signal that he would definitely be going and that that kind of appeased me at the time because it just could not go on this I mean this guy was completely at his death. he had little challenge in Scotland and still managed to fuck up a few things and um, it was a concern and at that point you know um, as I say having a decent relationship with people at the club you know it was announced a couple of weeks later, a dreadful Ross County game, I remember. Um, it was like, right, that's it. He's gone at the end of the season. And then it was kind of like, well, who are you going for? And he said, uh, well, top of the list is Brendan Rogers and, and Davy Moyes. I was like, aye, right, aye. Because, you know, I'm thinking, well, A, why would he tell us that? You know, there's a couple of other people there. Why would he tell us that? If it was true, you know. and, But then. It was really desperation, to be quite honest. He wanted people to know that um, Celtic were in the market for big-name managers. And I remember uh, Ronnie's second-last game at um, McDermott Park. I went up with my son, James, and we were driven here by John Fallon. And I remember telling James, you should always remember this, been line, you know. And... Um, John was highly critical at the, cl- the club then. Not so much now, he's in the lounges, unfortunately, but that's another story. Um, I'm just having a discussion about we need to do something, we need to do something, we need to do something. And then it was actually at McDermott Park that I first became aware that it was Brendan Rogers who was the, the chosen one, if you like. And I remember going to the game on a Saturday and uh, James Wallace and his wife Donna Wallace was there, and they were bringing the trophy up. I said, I, I know who the new manager's going to be, and he's like, who? I was like, Brendan Rogers and he's like, all right, and I'm sure he put money on it <laughs> straight away. Um, the only other time I've ever, ever had that, um, I did have money on myself, was when Jackie McNamara got the York City job, and on the Sunday, this was his... Uh, Brother basically said, Aye, you know, because I knew Jackie, where Jackie was gone down south somewhere, but he wouldn't say where. His brother just let it slip by. It's York. All right, great. Thanks know well, it's £100 on that. Uh, but aye, so the, the great sort of thing about it was that, we, you know, it, it was confirmed. And of course, there was a kind of mini revolution at Celtic at that time. Um, and thank God for that.
4: Brilliant. What a wonderful opportunity for him.
8: Opportunity here for Celtic To snatch the lead With a couple of minutes left In the 90 It's Roberts to float it in Dropped header Dropped just wide That looked pretty close though Check it out.
0: So, ultimately, um, Ronnie did win a couple of um, league titles. And, um but, you know, it, it just wasn't what it should have been. And, uh, you know, you get all these guys of all these fucking hipster push about football and all that. I mean, the idea is to win football matches, preferably in the most pleasing-on-the-eye way possible, you know. And... Ronnie talked a good game, but ultimately didn't deliver it? And people mentioned the kind of Chris Commons outburst as a lack of respect. Um, people talk about fitness levels and all this nonsense. The players weren't fit by the end of it? You know, Frankie McGuinness, for all his intents probably seemed to miss it. He said the players that were good then. I think Scott Brown needed a mention there because he was the fit as he should have been and that's what transformed him under Brendan Rodgers and gave him a few extra years as a football career and ultimately also probably um, doomed him as a football player when Brendan left and he was in the hands of Lenny but that's another story um, but at this time Celtic needed someone I've always said when Celtic has a kind of leader that unifies people it's an almost an unstoppable force You know, we've got one now, and we didn't have one under Ronnie, and ultimately what was needed was somebody that could unify the club.
10: Off course, why these motherfuckers chill on the golf course? Black police showing out for the white cop. White police showing out for the black cop. Black police showing out for the white cop. White police showing out for the, white cop. White out for the black cop. Lazy cop, fucking with that crazy cop. Always bragging about the new case he got. Do or die cop with that suicide cop. cop. Tell the truth cop with that true lie cop. cop. Are you even try, cop. Ain't no motherfucking drugs up in my spot. All you find in my closet is the high top and my motherfucking tickets to the skybox. Hold up, nigga. I'm a rider, use a roller, yep the controller. Make me mad, that's when I get stroller. The Incredible hocus bipolar. Come out the cup, knock off the rust up! So you still wanna bust? The Trojan horse is full of excessive force. When they try to get aggressive niggas off the court. White police showing out for the white cop. White, out cop. I mean, like, white right, right, showing out for the white mean, like, cop. White right, 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 showing out for the I mean, like, white cop. Right, right, good right, cop, good cop, where is your dignity? Where's your empathy? Where is your sympathy? Bad cop, where's your humanity? Good. Just a fantasy Hell on that nigga Snitch on that bitch Truth be told Motherfuck the blue code Fuck the po-po Acting like depot Already know Craig let the brick go Black lives matter It's not chit-chatter Cause all they wanna do Is scatter brain matter A mind is a terrible thing to waste Sabotage my fucking case hey, 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 Racist hey, hey, motherfucker Black police showing out for the white cop.